Hello and welcome to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith and we are covering today Lesson 6, so if you are just joining us, you might want to go back and start from the beginning. And especially if you've not taken a Basic Bible course before, I would encourage you to go back and take Basic Bible 101 first. And the reason is because it covers the Old Testament, and this class is only is starting with the New Testament. It's starting with the life of Christ. Uh, before I get started for on today's lesson, I want to remind you that you can go to the basicbible102.com website, and I realized that I don't always give you the um, scriptures that you're supposed to be reading ahead of time. It's not in the student workbook, and it should have been. So my next edition, I will fix that. But in the meantime, you can go to the student area, student information, it'll say, and underneath that, it shows for each lesson the scriptures that you should read ahead of time, um, because I don't always read them here. Now, sometimes I will uh, read a passage because I want to specifically emphasize a certain part of it, but some of the passages are quite long. What you're going to notice from that list is that it looks like we're repeating the same passages. We're really not. I'll give you a passage and say, read Mark 4, and yet for one lesson, we may only cover the first few verses and then the next one, the next few verses. But since you're there, you might as well read all of it, and it's not going to hurt to read the same passage multiple times because there's usually a complete thought involved, even though we're going to be covering the parables individually as much as possible. Okay, for last week, we covered the Sermon on the Mount and the beginning of, to show you how Jesus would teach. He taught with authority. He taught with a, the um, confidence that as he was talking to people, he related to them. There was a compassionate aspects to his talking, but it was also had a hard edge. So it was not very sympathetic toward the religious leaders at the time. He, uh, he would use these parables as he taught around the, the different places in, in uh, Israel as a way to relate to the people. And they were in a story format. A couple of good things about that. One, people could relate to them and apply them individually, and two, people could remember them. So that helped pr uh, bring forth the teachings of Jesus so that the ones we have today are still the ones that he actually did teach. Okay, the challenge with this, though, is that parables can have multiple meanings, and they may have meant something differently to the people back then than they do to us today. But the same moral behind it, as a parable is a story with a moral, um, the same moral of the story still applies to us today. Let's begin with Matthew 5, 13 through 16. We covered that passage last week, but I want to revisit it this time in a little bit deeper um, analysis. So let's begin with verse, well, let's start with 13 of chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, 
that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So originally we would say, who is he referring to when he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world? Uh, He could be talking to just his disciples, or he could be talking to everyone who's listening to him, or he could be talking to us as future believers. So it's always helpful to look at other scriptures that may shed light on that particular one. In this case, Mark 4, 21 through 22, or Luke 8, 16 through 17, or Luke 11, 33 through 36, all add to this story. It's basically the same lesson. They've just added a little different dimension to it. But what Jesus is asking here, he's asking his disciples, the people who will follow him, his followers, I should say, to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. Salt adds flavor. Uh, It's a good thing to be a little bit salty. Uh, The other part, light. Obviously, we need light. We need light in in the darkness. And as believers, we are the light of the world. So Jesus is encouraging his followers to uh, see beyond just what their meager existence, especially at the time, and sometimes even now, we feel like we don't make much of a difference. But what Jesus is saying is that you do make a difference. You are salt. You are light. There are people that that see your light and then give glory and honor to God because of you. So, One of the challenges is, since we don't always know for sure who Jesus was um, referring to, uh, is to say, okay, does this have an application to my life? And almost all of us can think about that and, and ponder it and say, okay, what does that mean to me? How am I light? Am I letting my natural light from within me Uh, shine around the world to people I come in contact with, or am I covering up my light? And we can do that in many ways. Uh, Specifically for believers, you can cover your light by letting sin encroach on your life, and therefore it covers up who you really are. We can do it by making other things more important so that the light dims. Can you see that this analogy of light and salt can have many different ways of being interpreted, but it's personal. And this is what makes it so hard to just read through the Bible. You could read through that, skip right past it, and not think, wait a minute, I need to meditate on that passage and see if there's some way that I am maybe blocking out my light or maybe not being as salty as I should be. Okay, let's ratchet this up one a notch. If you look at the passage that is similar to this in Mark chapter 4, verse 21, it says, He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whatever whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Okay, when I read that, I look at it and say, 
Okay, everything's going to be disclosed. One of the things about light is it brings to light, as we say, things that are hidden, things that need to be dealt with. Um, one of the things about being a believer is that sin does creep into your life. And if you let the light, the light of Scripture, the light of the Holy Spirit begin to work on you, it's going to bring to light things that you need to change, that you need to know, you need to learn. So he's saying, if anyone has ears, let him hear. So it's up to you to take the initiative to read the word, study the word, and then apply it to you. In twenty verse 24, it said, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if we spend time in the word, and if we are uh, meditating on it and applying it to our lives, we'll gain more and more wisdom. But if we f forget and put it aside and several days or weeks or years go by and we don't read the word, what we used to know goes away. That's why he said, "Whatever will, um, whoever has been will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So, and th this can be interpreted a million ways, but for our purpose, since it comes right after the passage on the lamp and, and bringing the light into your uh, world, we can look at it as saying, the more you shed light around you, the more opportunity you have to shed light. The more you cover it up, the less influence you have, and pretty soon that light within you will be so dark, it will really not be working at all. Let's read that same passage in the Amplified Bible. Now, the reason we don't use the Amplified Bible for study is because, uh, I mean, it's good because it gives you lots of different ways to look at a passage, but it also makes it very difficult to just read straight through it. And you'll see why here in a minute. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Then he said to them, pay attention to what you hear by your own standard of measurement. That is to the extent that your study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be add, given to you besides. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given, and whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. So you can see that there's a lot more depth when you read it in perhaps different translations or paraphrase. Uh, just to reflect on it, but always remember to go back to as close to the original as you can so that you're not getting too far away from the true meaning. And the most important thing is, it, the more you read the Word, the more you study, you can draw from different parts of the Bible. One of the reasons I encourage people to take Basic Bible 101 is it helps you understand a lot of what was going on in the Old Testament. A lot of truth was there. So when Jesus refers back to the prophets or back to King David, you know who he's talking about. And you can remember, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and look that up again and read it and understand a little bit better what Jesus was teaching. So the advantage to being as, you know, reading as much of scripture as you can is that it gives you a much broader understanding. The disadvantage is you can't just read it all through. You really do have to stop and think about different passages and how they might relate to what your life is like. So, for example, we see in 2 Timothy 
It says, study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now that's out of the Amplified Bible. But if you read it straight out of a translation, you get the understanding that all study is valuable when it comes to scripture. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at correctly analyzing and applying what scripture is saying. And it'll change you and it'll change your influence in the world. So both your saltiness and your light. Okay, let's just look for a minute at your homework assignment. So if you are doing this in a group, you will already have covered or will be covering when your group meets uh, this passage about the salt and light. There's another passage that's in your homework, which is Matthew 13, and it is covering the parable of the sower and the seeds. In this parable, Jesus is talking about a farmer who's planting seeds. Uh, Let's begin with verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him. He got into a boat and sat in it, and while all the people while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on the good soil where it produced a crop a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. All right, so here's the story of the sower. And since this was primarily an agrarian society that's, that's reading or being taught this, they understood how seeds work. And for our purposes, we do understand too that if you put a seed in the ground and you uh, it's not good soil. It's probably not going to grow. Um, if it if the weeds come and get it, if you've ever planted a garden, you know what that's like. You just have to weed it constantly or the weeds take over and, and choke out the plant. And so, but if you put it in a good soil, that seed grows and, and multiplies. So what is Jesus relating this to? Who, who, what does the seed represent? And the disciples, because it could be interpreted a lot of different ways, came to Jesus and said, why are you speaking in these parables? And he replied, this is Jesus, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. That is why I speak in parables. Then he quotes a passage from Isaiah, and in this passage it read, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them them is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever perceiving, but never, ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So Jesus is showing people through the passages that 
they they can remember the passage and it maybe it's a nice story or makes sense to them. But what matters is whether they can truly see it and understand it. And that's why interpreting parables is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of you wanting to know and understand. And one of the best things you can do is just pray and ask God, reveal to me what this scripture means to me. And as I said, it will be personal. Um, The same parable of the sower or the seeds can uh, mean a lot of different things as we've mentioned, but primarily he's using it as an example that how the word of God goes forth, how scripture, even the scripture, these parables that we're reading about, how they're cast out there. And that's what Jesus did. He cast this large net to all the people who are listening. And some people would grab onto it and they would know that's the word of life and they would go and tell everybody they knew about Jesus. That's the good soil. Some people would think that, okay, yeah, I really like this, but, you know, I, they don't have any root. They don't really stick with it. And then they're off to something else or someone else. Uh, some will grab onto the words of Jesus, but they don't want to give up their old life. And so that the sins of the old life choke out the word of God. And you want to be the kind of person who takes in God's word, applies it to your life, and is able to spread that seed far and wide so that many people can take advantage of what God is teaching you. All right, so, and that probably is the story of my life because though I have been a teacher most of my life, when I'm not teaching, when I'm not studying the word, then I begin to shrink and my um, ability to read and interpret and understand the word uh, diminishes. And I have to spend a lot of time going back over things that I thought I knew and listening to uh, people that I respect who I know are good, uh, strong believers and reading different commentaries so that I can pull it together and say, okay, this is what I think the scripture means. And this is what God is really doing in my heart. And that's the most important place. Because if it doesn't change your heart, it's not going to change anybody else's. That's just the hard truth of it. Okay, so we've covered um, a little bit about how to see the parables, that they were meant to give insight, but they were also meant to be applied personally. Um, Like I said, if you pray and ask God to reveal to you what does that parable mean, it will help you understand it. We are going to cover quite a few more parables from here on out. And as we do, in fact, we have two weeks ahead of us on the kingdom of heaven. That's a very interesting topic because so many people want to know, what does that mean? If the kingdom of heaven, is that when we die and go to heaven? The kingdom of heaven, does that mean when Jesus was here? Uh, And we're going to cover a lot of that in the next two weeks. But the only way that's going to mean anything to you is for you to have spent some time reading the word, uh, applying it to your life, and perhaps talking to some other people you know who are going through this study. Or if they're not, some other people who you know will be familiar with these passages. Okay, well, that's my lesson for today. And I just want to say thank you for sticking with Basic Bible. I know that it's a commitment but it's one that really can and will change your life. If nothing, for no other reason, then it'll help you get into the Word and begin to understand um, who Jesus was and why He came and what impact that, what does that mean to you? 
Until next time, be blessed. Thank you.